Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We need you, we need you, we need you, Lord. More than ever before in life, as individuals, as families, as a church, as a community, as a nation, as a world, there's none in the world who's safe. No one, Lord. This one little virus has flattened the pride of man and brought the high and mighty to the level of the common man, Lord. Help us, Lord, to look up to you, to learn of you, to stay hidden in you, to put our trust in you. Speak, Father, to us. You alone have the words of life. Power, strength, comfort, peace, rest, patience, perseverance, endurance. Everything comes from you, Lord. That voice, there is everything. Help faith to arise as we hear you speak to us through the word. And receive that power we need for this hour, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Why do we go back to the word? Because in the word there is life. In a time like this, we need the word. If you turn first with me to the Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, this is what scripture says. The written word. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. Whatever things that were written before. It was written before. It was not written now. But they were written before for our learning. That through the patience and the comfort of scriptures might have hope. So scriptures gives you patience. You see how the timeline God works. Like if you look at Noah's time especially you will see 120 years God's patience. And he was waiting for the plague or judgment, whatever you want to name it, for it to come. But he learned to wait for God's time. So there is patience, there is strength, and there is hope, there is comfort in scripture. Because you see that God is a living God. And scriptures is living. Though it is written, and it is, brings hope. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, it takes about the second part of it. We already know about God. We know about God has spoken in history, in scripture. And in verse 12, 1 and 2, Therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay, that's that much is enough. So we have... The comfort of scriptures, the scriptures is here. To we have also a cloud of witnesses. Real people who went through real times. Tough times. These are people of all ages. These are people who lived in actual time. Starting with Abel onwards, Adam onwards, Abel onwards. You know? So we keep that in mind. When we keep that in mind, these two scriptures in mind, we look at scripture, we look at people. 
like uh, C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. And pain is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world, a deaf world. So this Sunday morning, though we are very few in number because of the particular situation, yet to those who definitely cannot make it here because we are live streaming. So you can watch us live, you can hear us live. Nobody can complain also if the message is too long because by an act of the government you have nothing to do anywhere. Okay, so don't complain, the message is too long. So yesterday we looked at don't fear, but hear from God. That one word from God, you hear actually, it takes fear away. And when you read the word of God, God needs to speak to us. Because this is a living book written by a living God. And he still speaks daily to his children. The Bible actually says all scripture is God breathed. That's why it has so much power to encourage, encourage us and give us hope. Like I said, the characters in the Bible, the cloud of witnesses we looked at are real people who went through incredible trials and testing. And God is speaking to us through their lives. We, most of us will never go through what some of them, many of them went through. Yet their lives speak to us about the goodness and the faithfulness of God. That's why scripture actually says, even though Abel is dead, he still speaks. How does he speak to us? He speaks to us by faith. Though he's dead to us, he's not dead to God. He's only dead to us. And therefore, the God of Abel still speaks through Abel to us. So let us go back to the word. We are in the word and deal with the most important thing right now. The first thing that needs to be tackled is fear. Because worse than the epidemic is the fear connected with the epidemic. Everything, most of the things that are happening is connected with actual real fear. Some are real, factual, and some are not. But we are called out people are told not to walk in fear. And God specifically tells us, deal with facts, but don't walk in fear because he has not given us the spirit of fear. And the fear primarily is a fear of death. If this epidemic does not kill, nobody would be afraid. Nobody would be afraid. The panic is caused with fear. So you will always see cases and death. And when they see the death number going up, like yesterday, again, I mean today, yesterday in Italy, it's already 800 people. When they see that numbers, panic increases even more. Okay? And uh, the government really starts shutting down, putting strong, strong, what you call it, measures, simply because most of the, most of the people in government ruling are old people. And they are the ones who are dying first. Okay, so automatically you need to remember that uh, there is a reason why the government is so act, 
active in this because incredibly a lot of people who are in government everywhere are and then they say it affects everybody which is true young old children everybody okay but we have to deal with fear first i know you have heard it before and uh, but you have to hear it again before we go to the core of the message because fear and death is how the devil attacks us and he snares our soul while faith and peace is how jesus deals with us the devil is the enemy of our soul so he uses fear and death jesus is the lover of our soul so he uses faith and peace okay so let's deal with fear first somebody is saying facebook is gone again okay so please uh, look at it i know you have i've said this before actually quoting some other person i don't even know who it is that a brave man dies only once but a coward dies a thousand times or a million times actually and sometimes fear of something is worse than the actual event of it and all of us know it the fear of it is worse so let us look first at this fear of death because fear is always connected with death if there is no death man wouldn't be afraid at all so the bible talks about what jesus did with both in hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 to 16 in as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had power of death that is the devil and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage so the enemy had power over death and he used the fear of death to cause this bondage and he helped people in tyranny and there are a couple of things you need to realize about this there are a lot of people who do not fear death because they actually do not know what happens after death that's ignorance <clears throat> that's why jesus spoke about hell more than about heaven don't fool around with death after death is the second death and there is no escape from it if you don't make peace with god in your life and the second death is in the lake of fire okay so understand that part understand that part it's very important because there are a lot of people who are walking around fearlessly because they think that uh, after death you don't just exist but after death you do exist you could be either with god in heaven or you could be with the devil in hell and the second death is what jesus came to save us from and the devil will try every kind of deception every kind of deception every kind of lie to keep us our eyes closed to that second death okay and that's the first lie you surely shall not die okay and then he got them in their power and this fear of death is been controlling mankind in christ and christ alone we are fear free from both the fear of death and death in itself because death has been overcome 
Death has been overcome. Everybody sitting here, everybody listening who are believers, all know death has been overcome. But you also have to overcome the fear of death. Fear of death. Like, no, you can die in different ways. And everybody will say, Lord, let me die, have a peaceful death in my sleep. Okay. Every other form of death is like a little scary. Okay, little scary. This fear of death has to be handled. And the fear of death has to be handled like Jesus handled it in Hebrews. We saw that 12 too. And the joy that was set before him. Joy that. So we also have this joy. That is what I'm going home. I'm going to my father's place. I'm going home. That changes our entire perspective. You have to, all believers have to change perspective. Then only you will overcome the fear of death. Now you cannot, you cannot overcome it by just by thinking that I'm going home. You have to be thinking about the person of God that makes home beautiful. Like if you have a home where the father is alcoholic and the mother just shouts and screams, then home is not a nice place. You don't want, you want to delay as long as possible going home. That's why this picture of God has to be very, very clear. And God tells his children about who the father is, the father is, and who Jesus is, and the atmosphere of heaven. Okay, once you reach heaven, you will realize the atmosphere is not at all like we thought about Okay, so you have to reorient your mind with the person of God who makes home home. And then the fear of death is gone. So that's what Paul, who really, really understood God more than any man who probably, or Enoch, you know, and they were no more. They just wanted to go home. People like, very righteous people like Hezekiah did not understand it. So he turned around and cried. Well, Enoch just went, and Elijah just went, and... uh Paul says, I long to go. I long to go. So hand, get this very, very clear. In Christ, you have to both address death and the fear of death. And Jesus was very, very clear about with his disciples how handling. Like we saw last week, couple of weeks, that Jesus reveals a lot of stuff only to the disciples. The crowds never knew it. The Pharisees never knew it. To the disciples, he would always talk intimately and reveal. And this happens when Lazarus is sick and he dies. Look at John chapter 11 verses 1 to 6. This is the incident when Lazarus is sick and later dies. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her mother, sister, sorry, sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man, Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So very, 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 very strange incident. We know Jesus did not go. He is very clear he loved them and he loved him. But he is actually using this incident primarily to teach his disciples and us a lesson about death. In verse 11, this is what he says. Now, these things he said, and after he said to them, okay, this after that we know Lazarus died. Okay, but look at Jesus' reply. He says, our friend Lazarus sleeps that I go, 
that I may wake him up. So he is, now, if you read from verse 12 onwards, we will realize the disciples misunderstand him. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. It's like Nicodemus saying, how can I be born again? If he's sleeping, it's fine. When he wakes up, he'll be fine. But Jesus was talking about death has sleep. Death has sleep. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Okay, They got it confused. But Jesus now in the new covenant is giving a picture of death as sleep. Has sleep. So that we would. That's why he allowed Lazarus to die. Because he's not just speaking to that generation. He's speaking to all generation. That anyone who dies after putting your faith in Christ Jesus does not die. They just fall asleep and they wake up in another place. He is telling us, teaching us something. Later we know Jesus meets the grieving sisters and addresses their fear. Okay, it addresses their grief and their fear. So you have verses 25 to 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus, he will die, but he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Okay, that is the reason he allowed him to be dead and be buried in four days that no man will ever mistake that this man was really dead. He was not in a coma. He was buried for four days so that we will never ever fear death again because death is just sleep. Just sleep. And if you, I didn't give it to you, but if you turn with me to the book of Acts, Chapter 7, and I will read verse 60 for you. <clears throat> this is when Stephen is dying. Okay, it's already there. This is when he's dying, scripture says. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the first death recorded in the new covenant after Jesus rose again. Okay. Now, when this is written, we who have all of scripture should remember what Jesus had said about Lazarus, told Martha and Mary, and when the first person dies, it is written, he fell asleep. Now, nobody is afraid to sleep. Actually, we look forward to sleep, unless you are insomaniac. Okay, we look forward to sleep, because sleep, okay, remember what they said? It is good for him to sleep, because they thought he would be resting. Sleep is rest. So, Good night sleeps really energizes you. And sleep is always connected with rest. Okay? So meaning you have rested from your works. Now all you need to wait is for your rewards. Exam is over. See, exam is over and before results come. Between the end of your exam and the arrival of your result, there is a lot of rest. People really enjoy their vacation. You don't know what the result is. Okay, so you have umid to hai, pass to ho jayega. Okay, you don't know whether you will pass or not. Okay, whether you will get a first class or not. But that is a period of rest. That is why you don't finish exam on March 31st and get the results on April 1st. They give you a gap in why enjoy your rest. Okay, so if you die today, judgment is not tomorrow. There's a day set for it. So in between there is rest. Okay, so sleep is always seen as rest and that is the way we have to look at life. 
unless we address this fear. Because the problem is not with the epidemic. Epidemics will keep on coming. Wars will come, famines will come, earthquakes. In all this, there will be casualties. Death can come in many forms. And everything Jesus prophesied over there, enough in all of it, there is death. And death can be of absolutely natural causes too. Absolutely natural causes too. So let us deal with this fear first. Because once you deal with fear, then you will be able to deal with this epidemic by with faith. Because fear and faith are opposites. Remember that question in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus was sleeping and the storm was raging and they go wake up Jesus and Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? So you cannot be afraid and expect your faith to work. That's what I said. Deal with the facts. And the government and all the media are giving us facts. Even the ringtone you get is facts. Okay, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, which is true. You see, we always go under the impression like we know everything. But all these things have declined. Even to the medical field, they suddenly realize one new virus came in under the same family, but this is a fellow whom nobody knew. So even though it started in December and today we are like at the end of March, they still haven't figured this fellow out yet with all of our technology. It's something new. And all of us who were so gung-ho about our education did not really know. None of us knew how to wash our hands. We really did not know. Honestly, I did not know this is the way you need to wash your hands. I didn't know. I mean, the police showing it all is one thing, but the best video I got was from somewhere from Singapore or something, where somebody wore white gloves and then used black paint and did. And then you can see, you think you have washed, but you look at the hands, the paint hasn't touched it at all. That is when all these motions started making sense. And when they had finished it, then you realize your hand, whole hand is now Blouses, white blouses, paint. And then you realize, okay, these are the areas I touched. And when I usually go and wash like this, I never touched many of the parts where lots of bacteria, virus were hanging around and went into us. And we are alive because of God's mercy. So even hand washing enables now us to thank God because all the years of my life, I never washed hands properly, yet the viruses got in and it was the mercy of God. God alone. Okay, so one virus can give make us grateful about all the other viruses that got in. All this should be turned into thanking God, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So deal with fear. Because if you don't deal with fear, it will cripple your faith. It will cripple your faith. It will, because faith, everything in our life connected with God is connected by faith. Our worship will go. We will sing but with our lips and not from our heart. Our walk will go. We're supposed to walk with God by faith. Our work will go. We are supposed to work by faith. Everything gets attacked. Everything gets disrupted simply because we allowed what? Fear to come in. So deal with fear. And this is the way you deal with fear. Jesus has dealt with death and actually the fear is the fear of death. And Jesus has overcome death. And death is going to be an exciting place. Death is something that you and I look forward to. You have to look forward. Honestly have to reprogram your mind. 
renewal of your mind, the first thing you have to renew your mind is not about the beginning, it's about the end of your life. You have to look at the end of life which is called death as Lord waiting for that day. Why? I'm going home. I just want to be with you. I'm gone. And that's only possible. It's only really possible when you ask God and God enables you to love him more than anybody else. If you love anybody or anything a little more than God, you will not be able to really face death because it will be grief. I am leaving all this. So Paul is very clear. I love all of you. But I love God more. Okay? So if you ask me which is I want, I want to go. But if I stay back, it's for your benefit. So he's very clear about it. It's not that we love anybody. Uh, we don't love anybody. It's like... Uh, Brutus statement when he kills Julius Caesar. It's not that I loved Caesar less, but that I loved Rome more. Okay? It's not that we love our family less. It's just that we love Christ more. That's the way you tackle. Once you have tackled it, you will be able to look with clear, rational, faith-filled eyes how to handle this epidemic or any trial or test that comes in your life. Because everything can be seen through the lens of faith. Second thing is this. For all people who are listening, who will listen, who will hear, whom you will share with all this thing about is. This is first connected with believers. Because believers struggle with faith. Unbelievers don't struggle with faith because they don't have faith anyway. So this, so another thing you need to deal with is, importantly deal with is condemnation. In John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, this is the most popular, well-known scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the reason for the incarnation. Nobody should die. Nobody should die. You should have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be Saved. He did not send Jesus to condemn us. He came to save us. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So God is talking about here. There is one way because people walk under condemnation. Okay, condemnation. You see, this is connected with death. If you have lived a terrible life, everybody lives terrible lives. Then death is a very fearful thing. Okay, if you are a Hindu, it's always got to do with karma. And karma has got to do with your life, with your deeds. And it's always, always fearful. Okay, everybody. Because this thing of condemnation is there. Because the law only brings condemnation. And there is this law written in all of our hearts. All of our hearts. So you have to escape condemnation. You have to escape condemnation. I have believed in Christ Jesus. I may be disciplined, but I will not be condemned. Please understand that. My father disciplined me many times, but he never said I was not his son. He never said that. Okay? If any man or woman, child has put their trust in Jesus Christ, you have escaped condemnation. You are not condemned. You will be disciplined. You will be disciplined. Okay. That is the truth of Romans 8.1. 
Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look at that first. And the second part is equally important, but don't stress on the second part before you come to the first part. First, get into Jesus Christ. And then learn how to walk this walk. Okay, You can't ask people, walk that walk so that you will not. Then you get into works. No. You get into him, then he carries you through how to walk this walk. Okay, My heart is there inside. All protected with but skin and muscles and bones and everything. And so is my nail, nail here. But when I walk, they're all walking. Somebody would be like the heart of God, so close like David. Somebody would be just outside like a nail. But when Christ walks, all are walking. Okay, All are walking. So the key is to be in Christ so that we escape condemnation. So we have to deal with both. We have to deal with death and we have to deal with condemnation. So we have to deal with it. So if you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are hearing now or here in the days ahead, believe in him. As simple as that. Believe in him. You are somebody who strayed away. Strayed away. Okay. Strayed away. Then come back. See, this is, this is the issues with certain things we have to deal with because you see, anger takes you if you don't deal with it properly, it will take you out of Christ. Cain walked away. Jealousy takes you out. Offense takes you out. If you don't deal with these things, if you look at the people in the Bible, what was that took them down? Took them down. It was, they didn't deal with the issue and finally they slipped out and they went away. And they did not come back. That is why you have to deal with these issues. Because you can go out. Deal with those issues. Come back in. And that's why repentance is the most beautiful word in the Bible. Where you come back to God. So now, let us go to the meat of the word. And this is how to deal with fear. How to deal with fear. Let's go to Psalm 91. There are certain portions of scripture which speak very directly to us in certain situations. And in the particular situation where the world is going through, even an unbeliever will try to read Psalm 91 because people forward it to them. But he doesn't understand it. Believers also struggle with the understanding. So there are certain scriptures that give us much comfort and strength. And when we start believing in it, and walking in it, they actually become life for us. Like I said, depending upon our circumstance, those scriptures break forth with real deeper meaning. Especially when we are faced with situations that are beyond our control. But before we go there, let me take you first to Second Peter chapter 1. And we'll read from verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when scripture is written, Paul, everybody puts them in the same plane. You, me, Peter, Paul, all have received the same faith. So scripture is written to people who have received faith. We receive faith through scriptures. 
and scripture has returned to those who receive faith. Otherwise, you cannot claim these promises. This scripture doesn't become life for us. A man could read Psalm 91 and mean nothing to him. Another man could read Psalm 91 and become everything for him. Because this it is written to whom? To those who have obtained this precious faith with us, along with us. Okay? And to them, first it says, grace and peace be multiplied into you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we enter into this? We know this very well, but let's look at it. Verse 3 and 4. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Okay, His Bible, his word, he has given us his his power. Everything that we need for life, including how to handle this pestilence and godliness connected primarily with our next life. Godliness is good now, better then. Because God is holy. Okay? By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption. Let us put virus. That is in the world through lust. Which is true. This virus came in through man's lust and greed. Okay, all these epidemics came through man's lust. Adam and Eve lusted to become like God and brought these pandemics all upon us. Everything is a result of sin. Before that, there was nothing. Okay, so the Bible tells us something. How do we partake of God's life? It's only through these promises. Psalm 91, like, like I said yesterday, there are 16 verses. Four are connected with me. Twelve are connected with God. And these are powerful promises. And it is through those promises, when it becomes life, we partake of his life. Now you need to realize, there are promises in the Bible, which are most are conditional. And there are promises in the Bible that are unconditional. Like I will tell, explain to you in terms of a father, how a promise can be a conditional and unconditional. Unconditional is, I ask Andrew, what do you want for your birthday? You see, there is no conditions. Ask and it shall be given. Condition is, I set limitation on myself. Okay? Whether I can afford it or not. And whether it is good for you. Other than that, there is no conditions. Ask and you shall receive. No condition. Why? Because it's his birthday. But when I tell him, if you get distinction for your degree, I will give you this. There is a condition. It's a condition. It's connected with something. You get this, I give you this. Okay? So you we need to realize most of God's promises are conditional. Okay? Some which looks free are also conditional, though the condition is very little, very small, like Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Okay, that he is just appreciating and honoring of a freedom to choose. Because he gave it us. Come. So all I have to do is go. And we receive. It's not any great condition put over there. Okay, I will give you rest. But if you want that rest to be continuous, or sorry, continuous in your life, then he says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. Okay, 
Now the condition gets bigger and tougher. So, the mercy of God is like unconditional. Anyone who goes to him receives mercy. Come to me. Now the prodigal son, if you know the story of the prodigal son and his experience, if he wants to walk in the joy of the father, he has to walk in the ways of the father. To walk in the ways of the Father. But he walked away. And he did not realize he was moving away from the joy and the peace of the Father. And he got it back only when he came back. Okay? Get these concepts in your mind. Now we will go to Psalm 91. And verse 1. We will go to the comfort, the strength, the hope of Scripture and also one in that cloud, that is our elder brother David. Okay, we all can identify with David because Jesus is called the son of David. The first word says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That's how it begins. So, there is a condition. The condition is he who dwells. So just don't randomly read Psalm 91 and declare it over your life. It applies to those who dwell. The condition is dwell. The condition is not visit. Or those who wish to dwell. Not those who check in and check out. These are things that happen in the, in the life. It's as simple as that. There are choices we make. It's a choice God makes. To dwell is a choice. Like today, everything is shut down. But few of you made a choice. Made a choice. Okay? You chose to come. And most cannot make that choice. To them, we gave another option. The option is, you can watch live. Now, that's an option. And I don't think everybody is watching live. I don't think so. It's a choice people make. It's a choice. And it's not that anybody is doing anything. No. Nobody can do anything today. Unless you are part of God's, uh, the government's essential services. Nobody can do anything. Okay? Nobody can do anything. So you have a choice. Whether you want to sit today and dwell in God's word. So how many people are making that choice? Second, the first 30 minutes we had disturbance. Disturbance. The question is, how many left? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just assuming how many left because they did not have the patience to wait. Yet, if people are in a theater and there is something problem with the reel which breaks, nobody leaves. Nobody leaves. I've seen in my young days because the reels used to break. Nobody left. They went out, smoked and came back. Nobody left. Nobody leaves. If in a restaurant and you order something and the chef says it will take 30 minutes, nobody walks away. They sit there, wait for it. We don't realize everything is actually a test and a choice. It's a choice. Especially today, to hear the word. Because today, unlike any other day, people have no excuse. 
unless there are mothers with small children who are running around or not well or something but almost everybody has access to telephone 4G internet everything everybody has so we are making our choice okay so the question is it's not to visit it's not to check in and check out the promise is to those who choose to dwell to dwell see it is very interesting <clears throat> we are called to dwell in god it john 1:14 says god became flesh and dwelt among us okay the word became flesh and he dwelt among us did you see that which is uh, honorable and which is humiliating which is honorable me called to dwell with god and in god or god coming down and dwelling among us and he had to become like us to dwell among us he couldn't dwell among us as he was in his glory so he had to cover his entire glory in corrupt flesh and dwell among us that's what god did he dwelt among us and he was tested at all points therefore he sympathizes with us because he knows exactly what god we go through so he came and dwelt among us and went through the whole gamut of man's experiences and he looks at and says i know i understand so when god says he understands it now god is saying you come and dwell in me and experience me go through the gamut of my experiences share in my divine nature and you're not interested you are not interested see then the question is what can god do we are not interested what can god do jesus came and dwelt with us if you look at john chapter 14 15 to 18 listen to what jesus says if you love me keep my commandments and i will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever so he says you know you love me you keep my commandments and don't worry about keeping my commandments i'll give you a helper who will help you to keep my commandments that's a sum total of that that portion i will pray the father and he will yeah 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 he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever will abide with you forever he's saying it's good for me me to go because i can't abide with you forever I've come in this flesh and I cannot be with all of you all the time. Even if I live eternally because I don't sin in this flesh. <laughs> Yet the problem is I can't be with all of you. I can only be where we are gathered together in the body with them I can be. Okay? And then verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be within you so he's saying something you know what i'm sending somebody i'm sending somebody he will be in you and he will be with you because he's in you and he is with you you can experience god at three levels in your body in your soul and in your spirit you can experience when i experience healing in my body i'm experiencing god because he is the healer when i feel joy i'm experiencing him in my soul but when i have peace in the midst of all the tribulation i'm experiencing him in my spirit and god says because the holy spirit has come okay you can dwell with me 
because he will be in you now what actually happens is at salvation at salvation what happens is jesus sorry the holy spirit baptizes into jesus christ that is what the water baptism means now when we get baptized in the holy spirit what happens is jesus baptizes into the holy spirit okay why because they want us to dwell in them okay and ultimately this experience which we live and we go more and more and more into it if we walk with god like enoch experiencing him at these three levels then one day we will experience him no longer in faith but in reality we will experience him in the body in the soul and in the spirit simultaneously that is what revelation 22 says and there shall be no more curse but the throne of god and of his oh i'm sorry again i went to 22 it's 21 yesterday also i went to 22 i don't know why i'm always on the final chapter I heard a loud voice from heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them now we dwell with him in faith but then we will dwell with him in sight we will get a body which will enable us to dwell with him inside this is not this body cannot dwell with god that is why for god to dwell with us he had to take this body a corruptible body jesus took a corruptible body meaning a body of flesh though his body did not see corruption a body like this so now if i have to dwell with god i have to have a different body so we scripture says we will get a incorruptible body so god is going to dwell with us and we shall dwell with him and god himself will be with them and be their god and god will wipe away every tear all that we saw yesterday all that is got to do what we go through in this body and in this life all that is taken away so please understand this when god says dwell with me okay he how does psalm 91 begin he who dwells in the in the secret place okay now let us go further the whole ministry of the church within the church is to teach god's children how to abide in him and everything else in our life should be a result of it john chapter 15 and verse 4 yeah john 15 and verse 4 this is what jesus says abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me basically he is saying that dwell in me the fruit will automatically come we always worry about what to do but god says that is your secondary what i need to do is secondary what i need to really worry about is staying in him abide in me okay again you look at that it's a choice it's a choice i choose we choose okay it's a choice we make it's a choice every day that's the greatest gift god has given mankind is the freedom to choose to abide in him to remain in him is a choice you and i have to make every day of our life every day of our life. it's not a one time choice that's why romans 12 once says offer your bodies as a living sacrifice meaning it has to be consistently and constantly be done it's a choice we make to abide in him 
offer your bodies. Yesterday, when we were here, when Pastor Vijay and I talked, the news we had was that curfew was from 6 to 9. And by the time we come to the night, we realize it is 6 to 6. Okay, so we had a choice to make. We all had a choice to make. What to do? What to do? Okay, so we decided, okay, we will come early in the morning. And we will have a service. We thought few of you who are close by also will be there, who live in the same building. You know, we'll be there. So people made a choice. Couple of people made a choice to come and stay the night here. Right? Few people made a choice to come early morning here. And then all of us will be spending the night here. It's a choice we made. It's a choice we made. Okay? Now this is just one choice, one day. But this should become a practice. This should become a practice. That everybody at home also have a choice. The choice is so simple. All you have to do is like I told my dear wife who is not good with gadgets. I said, honey, all you have to do is click. Rest it will do for yourself. <laughs> we have made it as simple as simple. Just you have to do click. It will just go to another window, open it and you just have to do that. I mean, you cannot God. I mean, it's not us. Technology, everything, wisdom comes from God. God cannot make it easier than this for people to hear. Okay. It can be, it can't be easier than this. In verse 2, scripture says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. It's a choice. Maybe God used a virus to teach us. It's a virus. That stopped the world. Literally the world has stopped on itself. What is that you connect with the world? Everything connected with the world system has come to a standstill. In India today, everything is shut. Everything is shut. Though it is called, uh, what you call, Janata. It is not a Janata curfew. The cops on the road. Enforcing it. But I understand why they need to enforce it. Because this virus is transmitted by social contact. Okay? So, but government is saying, rest in yourself, stay in. So everything of the world has stopped. Everything of the world has stopped. And all you have is a gadget. Now this gadget is neutral. You can listen to the message, mine or anybody's. Different churches are streaming. Or watch a movie on YouTube or Netflix. It's a choice. Both from the same. Same gadget. Both from the same gadget. It's a, it's a choice that people make. We have made our choice. We decided we are coming. We set it all up. Worked on the word. Got the word. We made up a choice. Now we have to make the second choice. Am I going to hear? My question to people who don't hear is that what more should happen in the world before you will start listening? What more do you want? All put together, a pandemic, an earthquake, and a war, and famine? What more do we want? That's what C.S. Lewis said. In our pain, he shouts. But are we able to hear? Is the question. So it's a choice. John 15. How do we dwell? 
to dwell is one thing, but this is a spiritual aspect. So we have to explain that spiritual aspect little more clearly. In verse 7, Jesus, because Psalm 91 verse 1 is actually explained to us through Jesus, how you actually dwell in that secret place. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's the key. He's not talking about us hearing the word, listening to the word, memorizing the word. He's talking about it living in us. Living in us. The word abides in us. Will it dwell in us? Abide in us? That these are the words of my father? These are the words of my father? And in John 6 and verse 63, Jesus says, this is about my word. The spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. They are both spirit and life. The words of my father are spirit and life. Now listen carefully. When the prodigal son asked for his inheritance when his father was living and he walked away, as he went further and further away, further and further from his father, he was walking away from the spirit and the words of his father. That's what I said actually. And therefore the life of his father. The life of a man is in encapsulated in his word and in his spirit. Both. That's why Jesus said, I'm looking for people who will worship him in spirit and truth. Truth is God, the word. Okay, there are two things. Spirit is hidden. Hidden. Word is revealed. Both has to match. What I'm telling to you and the attitude of my heart, both has to match. Both has to match. Then it is spirit and word. And the boy looked at his father and he looked at the world. He knows there's nothing wrong with his father. But the problem is he loves the world. Loves the world. He wants to go into the world. But the problem is to go into the world, he doesn't have money. So he asked his father. And the father, in his mercy and kindness and grace, gave him the money. And he takes the money and he walks. And as he's walking further and further away, he's walking away from the life of his father. He's walking away from his words, which he has heard, and the same spirit that was behind the words. And he walks further and further and further and further and goes into the world. And when he goes into the world, he's receiving two things. He's receiving the words of the world and the spirit of the world, both. And ultimately, God shows a spiritual picture where that will take you. He ends up into the pig pen. Okay. It was not the distance that mattered. We think it's a distance that matters. The distance doesn't matter. You can walk away from your father's house two feet and be in a pig pen. And you can be hundred miles away from your father's house and be still in that spirit and in that word. That's Daniel and Joseph. That's Daniel and Joseph. Joseph is taken away. He was taken away from his father, sold as a slave, and later as a prisoner. Physically, he is very far, far away. But the spirit and the words his father had spoken to him, it was hidden in him. 
And all the days he was in Egypt, he was living the life of his father. The word and the spirit never changed. We can't bring God over there. We have to bring God into Joseph's life through his father. Because whatever he learned, he learned from his father. And then God gave him those two dreams. Are you getting the place? Are you getting the picture? He who dwells in the secret place. The secret place, the term secret place denotes intimacy. Intimacy. Okay, intimacy. Lot of couples, yesterday also I spoke, many are listening. Lot of couples, married couples, get intimate, but they don't have intimacy. They get intimate, but they don't have intimacy. Intimate is in the physical. Intimacy is in the soul. It is in the soul. That is what God meant. Man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they shall become one. Okay, one. That's what he meant. Okay. One thing becoming intimate, another thing that becomes in intimate. In intimacy, you will realize there is a lot of words spoken. In being intimate, you don't need words. In intimacy, the words spoken are often truth, or always truth, always true. It will wound, it will cut, but it will bring intimacy. But to become intimate, you can speak a lot of lies. That's what happened with Tamar, and what is that guy's name? Amnon. Well, words spoken. The words were not true. Because after they became intimate, the hatred showed the words were not true. Okay? So please get this. He who dwells in the secret place, a secret place denotes intimacy. And every man, every child of God, every human child of God, needs to have a secret place with God. Secret place. And every married couple need to have a secret space. It's not even the best loved, if you want to use that term, child should know. Intimacy is developed. It takes time and takes patience. You don't just get saved today and tomorrow enter into that sacred place. No. You don't get married on April 1st and 2 onwards, intimacy is developed. No, you get intimate. But intimacy takes a long time to develop. Because for intimacy, there are a few things. One, there is trust. Two, there is loyalty. And three, there is openness. Okay? First thing is trust. I trust you. If I don't trust you, I'm not going to be open with you. I trust you and I know I have your loyalty. I trust you. I will trust. I trust you. Meaning, I know I can say this to you and it will not go from you. I trust you. Because it's got to do with me and us. Others need. Second, I know you are loyal. You are loyal to me. I know that 
when you took take this you will not turn away and walk away from me trust and loyalty are important before you have a secret place that's why when we when we uh, marry people and we make that repeat that covenant the covenant is is what forsaking all others cleaving to you in what situations in sickness and health riches all situation i am loyal to you i'm loyal to you i'm loyal to you okay. now i don't have it but god has it god has it god is loyal god is trustworthy that's why scripture says when we repent and confess our sins it is forgotten you will never repeat it will never repeat it will never be mentioned in heaven never you can trust me and he said i got your back god is for you who can be against i got your back i'm loyal okay loyal so openness is connected with trust loyalty and openness it has to be takes a lot of time it to come and many marriages when when uh, when they come for counseling one of the things we say is when your marriage breaks up because he did or she did she was unfaithful all that i said okay now i said forgive but trust has to be earned forgiveness is free trust is not trust is not and a lot of people what happens in marriages when there is a breakdown of trust and sometimes men or women confuse and say that she has never forgiven me but that's not the truth you're confusing two different things she has forgiven you or he has forgiven you but he she is saying you know you need to earn my trust you said this 15 times i have forgiven you each time you came to me but the problem is I don't know whether I can still trust you or not. So I will forgive you even the 16th time but I will trust you when you I see that your pattern has changed. So don't confuse these two things. Okay? So you cannot dwell in the secret place unless there is trust. There is trust. In the beginning of his ministry, Jesus ministry, three and a half years ministry and the end of his ministry, his tone is different. Look at what he says in the beginning of his ministry in John chapter 2 and verse 24. Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all. And he started he trusted no man. He wouldn't trust anybody because he knew all men. He knew everybody, including the ones so following him. Including the disciples. He trusted nobody. Okay, trusted. Which which verse is that? Twenty-four. And what does Scripture say in two two? You don't have to go there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples, and his mother and his brothers there were. So when it means he trusted nobody, it means everybody, including the disciples and his own flesh and blood, trusted nobody. Ah. because for him to trust somebody he has to trust as god as god and he trusted nobody but at the end of his life 
before he dies in John chapter 15, just a few days before. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. He says, you know what, now I trust you. Now I trust you. So everything that the father has told me, I have told you. I have left nothing behind. I trust you. I trust you with my heart as the father has trusted me with his heart. I trust you. Okay. Now he doesn't say this to them earlier. At the end of his ministry he tells them. The beginning of his ministry he trusted no one. So to these are choices. Intimacy is a choice. Walk is a choice. It's the Disciples chose to leave everything and walk with him and consistently walked with him and they earned his trust. Yet there was one he wouldn't trust. That was Judas. He knew he was only walking with him outwardly. So what happens after Judas leaves in John chapter 13? He tells all these things. Tells all these things. Okay, please. So Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God and God trusted him and revealed to them things. So we have to learn to dwell in the secret place. One of the way we learn to have intimacy with God is not first waiting for God to speak to us, but speak to God. Like David did. More than half the Psalms were written by David. And if you look at it, most of it he is talking to God. No issues. God has no issues. Boy, my only issue with my children is that they don't talk. No issues when they were small and they came. They never disturbed me. I never looked at my children talking to me as a disturbance. Of course, when I'm preaching, it's a different thing. I didn't expect them to talk to me. But at the house, I never thought about them as a disturbance. And I liked them talking. Though a lot of stuff they said when they were small were nonsensical. It didn't matter. Like that's how our complaints sound to God. Lord. Why is this happening? Nonsensical. I'm in control. What are you talking about? But God doesn't say all those things. One of the way you develop intimacy with a person, here, a person of God, is with conversation. And God has no issues as a child. We are all children. We don't know the end from the beginning. We have no clue what holds. We don't understand everything that is happening. Like I said, if we don't understand, if we did not understand till yesterday how to wash our hands, then how do we understand God? So God has no issues in us talking to him. And he talked a lot to God. And he really opened up his heart. And then God talked a lot to him. That's why we have the Psalms. The book of Psalms is basically a man talking to God and God talking to man. The book of Psalms. And you have, and we look, oh, I wish, I wish I was like that. God said, it's a choice. You can be. That is how trust is developed in a relationship. And he immediately understood. He understood, David understood, because he was entrusted in that walk with God, he understood that sins would impede his walk with God. Let me tell you this very clearly. 
we don't deal with sin unless we are zealous about our walk zealous right i always tell this to couples you are not ironing out your differences because you are not interested in your walk you are interested in walking together that's why it doesn't matter it's okay you do your thing i'll do thing it's like two this railway line two parallel lines going together but if these two lines was one line then something comes it has to be ironed out because it's impeding my walk impeding my walk so david was very zealous about his walk with god therefore he knew the only way i can walk with god is by being blameless before not perfect blameless and the only way i can walk blameless with god is by dealing with my sins there's only one thing that offends my god ignorance doesn't offends my god you know sin offends my god and sin should offend me because it impedes my walk that is the key key are we zealous for a relationship in psalm 51 is an incredible confession of a rotten sinner confession of a sinner but if you look at the core of psalm 51 what propels him to this confession is shown in verse 11 and 12 what does he say do not cast me away from your presence do not take away your holy spirit from me that's what is causing this confession please lord don't cast me away from your presence i want to abide there i want to abide there. i know what it is to abide there i know what it's to walk with you i know what it is to talk with you i know what it is to hear from you lord please do not cast me away from your presence don't take away your yes that's what makes you real for me your spirit your spirit presence and spirit both both give me a chair from there just a chair yeah i can sit here but if i am upset i don't speak you have my presence you don't have my spirit you have my presence but you don't have my spirit you know when fathers husbands wives are upset they are present sister but they don't talk they don't talk you come to church the presence of god is there but he doesn't talk you cannot say his presence isn't there because then you're contradicting the word of god and you are also condemning everybody everybody because one said the presence of god and you are looking at you what presence of god i didn't feel anything the presence of god was there so that's what he's talking about your presence and your spirit into your spirit and that is what god is talking about my spirit will not contend with you forever do you think the judgment of god when it happened his presence was removed no his presence is there but his spirit his spirit do you think anybody can run away from his presence no but his spirit he goes silent god takes his phone and puts it on silent mode That's what the Bible is talking about, and that's what he is talking about over there. He says, you know, in that secret place there is your presence, and there is your spirit, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. He says, 
if your presence and your spirit is there, there is a corresponding reaction in me. In the midst of all these things, I have something, I have joy. Uphold me by your spirit, Lord. And we don't realize this, these days, these days especially for God's children, are days of incredible blessing. Why? Because the government has made it possible and given time into our hands to enter into that sacred place. To try things. Time is on our side now. Time is not against us. Everything is closed. If this one day becomes two days, two days becomes one week, and one week becomes 14 days, it's mandatory quarantine. It may come. In 14 days, you can your child's life can be absolutely, totally, radically changed. What are people worried about? Yesterday, Peter and Peter, I, I had forgotten, I had left my, I didn't bring my scooter, so I was going with Peter and said, you bachelors, how easy is life? For 14 days, I mean, forget fasting and all, you don't have to even fast. How simple it is. What do you need? 100 packets of noodles. 5 cartons of juice. Oh, what is there to worry about? People are all queued up before every, taking sacks and going, it's there. And you have a pub, 20 bars of chocolate, then that's more than enough. Even if you don't eat one bar of chocolate, it gives you enough energy to run the whole day. It's not, people make a mountain of a molehill. You know why? It's because for them, life is connected with all this. And Jesus is Nate. Isn't life bigger than all this? Bigger than all this? And like for us, all of us sitting over here who have a habit of fasting, it doesn't even bother us at all. Even if there is not supply, all I want is water. All I want is water because you have to drink water. It's not a big thing at all. So these days are blessings. Days are blessing. Get into that secret place with God. Get into that secret place with your spouse if you're married. Get into that secret place. Start talking. Even if you don't hear, it doesn't matter. You talk. You talk. Like David. You talk. God hadn't spoken to him for 16 months, but at Ziglag, he talked. If you are the one who sinned, you make the first move. God never sins. God did not say, I will come near you. He said, you come near me. And I will come near you. Then I will show you what all to wash. How well to wash your hands. You talk. No, this, this, this is not some vague idea. This dwelling in the secret place in the Bible is a real thing. And Jesus practically showed us with his life how you can live there. Abide. Rest. NIV uses the word rest. Okay? Let's go back. No, uh, yeah. Let's go back to Psalm 91. <clears throat> and what is the result? If you abide there, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You have to connect abiding 
to this. Verse 4. Verse 4. Long time ago, there was a little girl I knew. Five-year-old girl I knew. Very frightened. Very, very frightened. And used to be living in other places. So she always used to ask me this question. And I gave the child Psalm 91. So whenever she was afraid, she would tell me, Papa, the feathers will be there. No, I said, honey, feathers will be there. Feathers. Because shadow, all that, the child did not get. One thing the child understood was feathers. You know, God will cover me with the feathers, no? And she said, I said, yes, honey, God will cover you with the feathers. You have to understand this. If you don't understand this, let's read from one to four. So that, okay, or, or, uh, verse one and verse four. Okay, verse one and verse four. You have to connect this to, <clears throat> he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And verse four, he shall cover you. With his feathers. You have to because shadow doesn't have feathers. Okay. So what is he trying to tell us? Allow Jesus to explain. In Matthew 23 and verse 37. 23, 37. Got it? Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills prophets and stones. Those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Now, I mean I don't know. Unless you come from a rural kind of a background. Like when I was small. And uh, that's a long time ago. Okay. In age. Okay. Size I'm still the same size. <laughs> okay. Age. Okay. Uh, uh, when we were living in Bhutan, it's, it's in the countryside, so my mother always reared chickens. And when they hatched, and because there were jungles close by, and foxes close by, jackals, I, I lived like in a wildlife sanctuary lifestyle. Okay, so evening after school, I had this duty for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, to take the chicken out, so they would get some fresh air. And you have to watch out, because the jackal looks like a dog, and suddenly he will come and take and go away. So what happens is the mother is very, very wary. And one eagle swooping, it makes a very peculiar sound. That sound, when it is feeding or when... Immediately what happens, all the chickens come to her and she covers them with her finger. Spreads. Till then it looks like a hole, but then the feathers spread out. And then if you have to get the chickens, you have to go through her. To go through her. That's exactly what God is saying. That's what God is saying. And that's what Jesus is saying. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you never understood my spirit or my word. You thought I was a joy killer. No, I came to protect your joy and your peace and your salvation. How much every servant I sent and finally I came. All I wanted was to cover you and protect you from the destruction that is coming. But you were not. See, it's also a choice. It's also a choice. When he says, will we run to him and be under him? Stay there. It is your hiding place. Psalm 32, I didn't give it. And verse 7. You are my hiding place. See, when the chicken runs under the mother, who is their hiding place? She is their hiding place. We sing that song, right? You are 
He who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall, high shall rest or abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Imagine it's a very, very hot day. I don't see in Telangana, Andhra Pradesh. I don't know why people, but Kerala, if you look, everybody goes got an umbrella. Because it's 10 months summer, 2 months rain, no other season in between. <coughs> so for all 12 seasons, we need the umbrella. So every man, woman, everybody has an umbrella. So you'll always see that umbrella and it's a black and white combination. Everybody wears white and the umbrella is black. <laughs> so everybody has an umbrella. <coughs> so it's very, very hot and you're walking under the shadow of the umbrella. It's not the umbrella, it's the shadow of the umbrella that is giving you. The umbrella has taken the heat. Suddenly imagine a thick, dark cloud comes and covers the sun. Then suddenly the umbrella becomes pointless. Because something has come and covered it. Then what do you do? You fold the umbrella and keep it in your armpit and you walk. Because you don't need that umbrella anymore. Because this huge cloud has come and covered you. Now in Psalm 23 and verse 4, the psalmist says, Even though I walk through the shadow of death, that's the umbrella, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because there is another shadow covering me. I'm dwelling in the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty. So this one doesn't bother me because I know there's a bigger one above me. Both are shadows. Both are shadows. And the problem with this, no, no, the, 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 the particular nature of the shadow is the shadow never leaves you. Death is not going to leave you. It's going to pursue. From the moment you are born, death is pursuing you. But God says, so am I. So am I. I'm watching over you. You don't realize it. The thoughts that I have towards you cannot be counted. Every hair on your head is numbered. You are the apple of my eye. The beloved of the Lord rides upon his shoulder. He says, even as death is following you, I am also following you. Therefore, scripture says, you are with me. That's why I will fear no evil. Thy rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's what dwelling in that place means. You need to know when you are under his shadow, and though the shadow of death is pursuing you, you should not fear. Because as a child of God, you should have this assurance. I will not die before my time. And when I die on my time, it doesn't matter why, what means I die. Whether it is a virus or old age, it does not matter. But I will not fear death. I will not fear death. But if you do not want to die before your time, please remember, God has a plan and a purpose in your life. And I've told this earlier, many Christians live purposeless lives and yet claim Romans 8.28. What is Romans 8.28? For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. They don't know His purpose, but 
that's why knowing oh. purpose is very very important because like i said the knowledge of your purpose gives you strength you look at the virus and say okay even if i fall Ill, i will not die then there's something to be finished something to be finished call according to his purpose See, you cannot dwell in the secret place and not know purpose. <coughs> How can you dwell with God, the God of purpose, and not know his purpose? That's why slavery couldn't kill Joseph. He went in as a slave at the age of 17. Let us imagine he was a slave for three years and then he went into prison. In that case, he was in prison for 10 years. Most Horrible dungeon. Those years. Today's prison nobody wants to forget prison. Nobody wants to go to quarantine. You know why? Because it's, it's terrible. What do they want? Expect when a virus is ravaging the country, they want five star treatment or what? Just go there and help yourself and help the rest of the country. The toilets are bad. Yeah. In your deathbed you will think about a toilet. <laughs> Joseph probably was in that dungeon for 10 years. Ten years. But he did not die. Nothing could kill him. You think there was no viruses and bacteria in the dungeon and the food that he ate? And the rigors on his body? The chains around his leg and neck? That's what the Bible says. Fighting depression every day where the original version says the iron entered his soul. Fighting it every day. But he didn't die. He didn't die. Because he knew his purpose. And he came out better. Why is this important? Because when these calamities come and we are talking God's word, God's word has to become life. About Joseph, it says, until the word of God proved him, tested him. Then all this will come true. It becomes life. In Psalm 17 and verse 8, scripture says, Psalm 8, 17 and verse 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. And God will ask for what? For what? What if God turns around and says, for me, you die or live is the same. It's pointless. What if God says, you absent in the body is better for me. You're taking up a lot of space. And resources. God has a sovereignty to deal with his children that way. But he doesn't. You are the apple of my eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Calamities come. We have the guts to say that. Lord, I'm the apple of your eye. Everybody is the apple of the Father's eye. And hide me because I haven't finished my purpose. Hide me, Lord, from this calamity. Psalm 57 verse 1. What does it say? Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge. Until these calamities have passed by. These calamities are all until it I will stay there. So that's why I said we look forward to quarantine. We're not running away from, I mean, these things and all have to be fixed in your head long, early. All these things. 
going to prison, going to quarantine, all these things should be already fixed in your mind. It does not make any difference to me. Wherever he takes me, he uses me. And I will stay loyal to him. These things shouldn't bother us. Never should any of these things catch us unprepared. Unprepared. So let these things pass me, Lord. Hide me. And his secret place can be anywhere. Anyway, you don't even realize sometimes the ways of God. Here is Joseph in Potiphar's palace. He's gone up. He's a big guy now. The master is away. He's a general. He's away most of the time. And here is the mistress after his life. If the mistress was after his life, we can be very sure the maid servants were also after his life. Because scripture says he was good looking, handsome, smart fellow. And she is tempting him day after day after day. How long can a young man resist temptation? He will fall. So God put him in a safe place. Stay in the prison where you will not fall. And that prison was his secret place where he was safe from all that temptations. Hid him there. And only when you had dwelt with him and understand the purposes of God, you will realize until my time comes to be revealed, this is the best place to be. I am safe. And how do you know God was there and God ordained it? Because he had favor immediately with the prison warden and God was with him there. Unless we see the heart of God as God is good all the time. And therefore anything that happens to me will work out for my good. Why? Because God is good. It may look bad now, but it will not be always bad. Good will come out of it because of God. That's what he says. Hide me until these calamities have passed by. And verse 2? Yeah, verse 2 also. I will cry out to God most high, the God who performs all things for me. And from the secret place, what will I do? I will cry out to you. And you are the one who works it out all for me. That's where our assurance comes. When we know how to abide in that secret place, then Psalm 91, verse 2, is our confession. Here also you will see the order. He is there. And this is what he says. Then I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. That's a confession of assurance that is rising from a dwelling place. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In whom I trust. Now what has happened? You have confirmed, conformed to your reality. Your reality outside and your reality inside are the same. Calamities are all around. But I am in the sacred place. He is my fortress. He is my refuge. He is my God. In him I will trust. You are not denying any facts. Calamity is all around. Pestilence is all around. But abiding comes first. Abiding comes first. And confession comes second. Both has to be there. You cannot believe in one thing and confess something else. That's what scripture says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You have to believe. If you don't believe and you confess, it has no meaning. And if you believe and you don't confess, it still does not work. Scripture says, if you believe and you confess, abide and proclaim. If you are abiding, you will proclaim in the midst of your calamity. You are not 
denying anything that you are facing. Psalm 91, the psalmist gives an entire list of dangers he is facing both spiritual and physical. But there is belief and there is a proclamation. There is a belief and a proclamation. Proverbs 18 and verse 10 says, The righteous, yeah, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. You are my refuge, you are my fortress, you are my God in whom I trust. So you are my fortress. So that is a confession. What is the reality? What is the reality? In the name of Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Today is one of my happiest days in preaching because I don't even have to look at the time. <laughs> because people have come here to listen. They have nowhere to go. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Where does a righteous man run? Into it. How do you know you're righteous? Because you run into a place. Your secret place, your prayer place, in the name of Jesus. You run to that. No, run there, not to the phone. You run there. If we have learned the art of running there, we will actually stop asking people to pray for us. Except for ministry opportunities and we will be praying for people. The righteous man runs into his name. And I like, I like, you know, every Sunday is when Apple gives me activity report and every day Apple is discouraged. I am not. Activity very less, activity very less, good for me, bad for you. Okay. Because I am on a plan. I am not giving you one rupee more than that. <laughs> the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord, you need to realize, is a weapon of mass destruction. Name of the Lord is a weapon of mass destruction. That's where you run it because you know him, you have dealt him, you know the power of your name. Power of that name. You know, you know. Mark 16, scripture says, these signs will follow those who believe. How do you know they believe? Because in my name. In my name. They will cast out demons. In my name. And they will speak in new tongues. And they will take up serpents. Demonic will not have power over them. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means. How does the virus get in? Through your nose, through your mouth, or through your eyes. It gets into your inside system. If you, by accident, drink that in, you need to believe in his name. It will cost me no harm. Because the righteous has... I. I'm not going, that's why I said, understand the facts, do what you have to do, wash your hands, cover your face, stay away from public places, maintain social, all that you do, and after that, if it gets in, believe. The name of my Lord is a strong tower. It's a strong tower. Strong tower. It's his name. It's a strong tower. And the thing is that, we have to learn to use his name. Because there is power in that name. He says in these things shall follow those who believe. Does that mean everybody who believes these things are following? No. He says in my name. In my name. A righteous run into my name. 
They understand the power of that name. Okay, the shadow, the shelter, the abiding, the tower, the refuge, the name. You see, everything is being connected by God over there. If you turn turn to Psalm 118, I think I didn't give you the first verses, 9 to 12. I gave it to you? Okay, look at 9 to 12. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will. One version will say, I cut them off. In the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. And then, they surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy. They surround me like bees. Oh, like bees. You know how a swarm of bees comes? They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Then, you push me violently. Yeah, in his name. Cut it off. And you have to. What is what is the virus for the believer? We look with different eyes. What is coronavirus for the believer? It's a killer of my destiny. I see it spiritually. It's the enemy of my destiny. And I will cut you off in the name of Jesus. If I am not appointed to die now, and I have still work to finish in God's plan, I will cut you off. Because I will proclaim like we written about David. I will fulfill God's purpose in my generation. Then I will fall asleep. Not before that. Not before that. That's what I said. It's not a casual shelter. These are all purpose-filled psalms. This, the psalm is probably David is saying much, much, much later in his life. But do you know how he began? With the same heart. What do you think that I have a dog that you come against me with a stick? You come against me with spear, with sword, with javelin. I come against you in the name of Jehoshaphat. As little boy understood the power of that name. And his first enemy there, he cut it off in the name of the Lord. It was not the, it was not the stone that killed Goliath. It was the name that destroyed him first in the spiritual realm. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, but we experience it in the physical realm when we believe and we confess. He first destroyed him in the spiritual realm. The power that was empowering Goliath. And then he destroyed him with the stone and with the sword. This is what God is talking about. Do we believe? Do we believe? And you have to open your mouth and say, Lord, no, I have a purpose, Lord. I have a purpose. And I'm not willing to die before that. Because I have to fulfill my purpose. I don't want to come there with empty hands. I want to come there and say, Lord, finish your task. So that I want to hear from your lips what you said, well done. How can I say well done when I haven't done well? So Lord, I want to finish and I will not let this virus steal my destiny. On the other hand, you are sovereign. You alone know. If in your time, my work is over. I may think my work is not over. Oh, there is so much to be done. But you think my work is over and the second half of the work is kept for somebody else and not for me. Then Moses, you need to die. Because Joshua will take them over. Your time is up. But Lord, it's not yours. It's his. And I am the one who is doing the work. It was neither he or you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Constant in human history is God. He's the man of war. Amen. 
We don't have a name. It is in His name we got our victory. So you have to look at life without fear, with purpose. And virus will go. After that will come famine. System is going to crash. Economic things are going to crash. And if 2020, November, Trump doesn't win, it is going to get worse. Because I personally believe this is a not a uh, it's a man-made virus. When I look at it, this entire virus is targeted at one man. People are dying, but it's not targeted at all of them. They are, they are called uh, collateral damage. These are all collateral damage. It's entirely dependent upon one man because everybody knew the economy was booming, going through the... And if the economy is going like this, this man will win, hands down. The only way you can bring him down is bringing the economy down. And that's exactly what has happened. But God's destiny is that he should win. Nobody can stop him from losing. But we don't know how much window of time God is giving us. His policies does not matter to us. But the fact of the matter is he's got the back of the believing church. No man has stood up for church or Israel like he has done. That fact has. The problem is there are a lot of Christian pastors judging him as if he's a pastor. He's not a pastor. He's a politician. And judge's policy is connected with issues that matter to the church. Matter to the church. And when I look at the issues that matter to the church as a servant of God, spiritual issues, I look at his stance and I say, Lord, if it's you, we'll give him four more years. Because it's good for all of us, believers. Because we are not looking at money, we are not looking at the world. It's not Christians, it's the people who are voting. So that's how you read everything. So this virus, is, virus I don't believe, is generally uh, like we think. Because if you look at everywhere, who are the people who are dying? Old. Why? Because everywhere in the world, the old people are conservative. Young people are not conservative. They are very liberal. They have gone away so far away off the track. They are not prodigal sons. They are rebellious sons. And the old people are all very conservative. They still hold on to values. So if you have a virus that will take off an entire section of population who particularly in elections vote in a particular way, then what is left? A generation of rebels and liberals. Right? That's how I read it. I may be absolutely wrong, but I could be absolutely right. (laughs) Therefore, what does the church do? The church does stands in the gap and prays looking at the spiritual impact of this, not the economic impact of it. The spiritual impact. Lord, if this virus is destined to harm your kingdom, let this virus die. It will not fulfill its purpose. It may kill people, but the virus will not fulfill the purpose for which the enemy has sent it. It will not fulfill through it, the church will still triumph. So you have to read it that way. I will cut it off. I will cut it off. I will cut it off. But in some cases, it will almost bring you to the point of death. That is the next verses. Right? We looked. Yeah. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die, but live. It was 13 to 17. Yeah. Please. Yeah. 13 to 17. Yeah. You pushed me violently that I might fall. That was the purpose of this whole thing. If you want to use the illustration, I used this entire virus was used to push one man violently. Push one man violently. But the Lord helped me. 
The Lord is my strength and song and he has become my salvation. Lord help me. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. And then I shall not die. But live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die. But live. I shall not die. But live. But. Some people may not die. But they may be ill for a long time. They may be in the ICU and recover. Looking at it as an illustration, but generally at life, specifically with this. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Given me over to death. Meaning, you will know God through this illness. And you will thank him one day for this illness. No, it's not over. It's a long way to go. Probably till, uh, is curfew still tomorrow morning, right? <laughs> it shall be like Paul. Your battery won't r- may run out. I am not going to run out. <laughs> okay. And verse 18 onwards. How will you know? Open to me the gates of righteousness and I will go through them. <laughs> you chasten me, but I will not die. I understand this situation I'm going through. Please make me understand the meaning of what I am going through. Open for me the gates of righteousness and I will grow through and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for through this illness and I came through death. When I came through, I realized I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. They will thank you. We don't know which way God will answer. That's why we have to leave it to the sovereignty of God. How he deals with the same issue with different people. How he will handle it. And Psalm 91 and verse 2. Lots to go, okay? I will. I will say of the Lord. What did he say? Now, what did he say? I will. Question God asks is, what do you say about me? I will say of the Lord. What do you say of the Lord? What do you and I say of the Lord? When calamity comes. When calamity came, Job's wife said, curse God. And I. When calamity wiped her family out, Naomi said, don't call me Naomi. What will you say of the Lord? What will we say? Because actually, calamities actually define and show us who we really are. It was not the deliverance that took place that showed who Paul and Silas were inside. That was a gift operating. It was a prison chamber that revealed who Paul and Silas were inside. It was not his work and his labor of love in his father's house that revealed who Joseph was. It was slavery and prison that revealed who he really was. What will I say? Can we say God is good? 
all the time. We are not changing what happened to us as being good. We are saying God is good in spite of all of that. Joseph did not whitewash evil. He said, you meant it for evil. But thank God behind that, above that shadow of evil that pursued me for 13 years, there was a bigger shadow. And I had found rest. You meant it for evil. He meant it for good. What will we say? He will work it out for good. Will it be fear? Or will it be faith? I think it's Proverbs 29, 25. Did I give you? Sometimes my handwriting is, I can't recognize it. The fear of man brings a snare. Who trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Worse than the epidemic. It's a fear of the epidemic. Fear in the air. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. In Him I will trust. That's how you dispel fear. Even I, even if I walk through the valley of shadow of death. Real, reality, shadow of death everywhere. I'll fear no evil. Why? Because I have something very sure. I know it as an experience. The word with me. It's not a confession. It's a reality. The word with me. Thy rod and thy staff. Comfort. Of course I understand the staff comforting. What about the rod? Is the rod comforting? We get comfort from the staff. Jacob leaned on his staff and blessed his children. I went as one, now I have become two companies. Staff, everywhere staff is. Everybody loves the staff because it's a sign of power, authority, comfort. What about the rod? He didn't say staff alone. He said your rod and your, he mentioned rod first. Because if you haven't gone through the rod, you don't, will not have a staff to lean on when you grow old. If you need a staff to lean on, the staff of God, spiritual significance, you need to have gone through the rod. The question is, does the rod comfort you? How does the rod comfort you? What is the truth about the rod that comforts you? Hebrews 12 verse 8, God says, this is the rod that comforts you. You understand the spiritual meaning of the rod. What is that? If you are without chastening, of which you all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. The proof of your sonhood is a rod of discipline. And if you haven't, if you haven't found comfort in that rod, then you are illegitimate. You are not a real child of God. But everyone the father adopts, he disciplines. That's the comfort. That's what David and all were true children of God. He said, your rod comforts me, your staff comforts me. In him I trust. You are my fortress, my God. In him I, therefore I will trust in his rod and I will trust in his staff. Trust is something you put your weight on. So the question is, in whom 
or in what did we put our trust in? So Matthew 6.33 was a command for all time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It was a command about the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom first. It was not a suggestion. Like I said, God doesn't have suggestions or opinions. We make it that way, but he has only commands. Because of the free will which he has given, we think those are suggestions. Now the problem is, One virus has exposed everything. In Hebrews 12, 26 to 29, he had said this. Let me read it. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For God is a consuming fire. He says everything that can be shaken is being shaken so that you will know, one, whether you have the kingdom. You will see what is the nature of that kingdom inside you. How big is the kingdom? You talk about any area of human activity in the world and you tell me what is not shaken. What is not shaken? What is not shaken? Tell me. Tell me any department. Any department that is not shaken. What is not shaken? Do you see the government of India has put everybody on the streets, essential services, except they are holding back one set of people. The army. You know why? Because if the army gets affected, we got enemies all around. So they're holding them back. Other countries have brought the army onto the roads. India won't do it. Because of a fear of a virus. Because they live in close proximity. One battalion, one. Everybody has to be quarantined. Two battalions, three battalions, five regiments, ten regiments, an entire core we are surrounded. You see which department is not touched of human activity, not by one virus. And when God says, when all these things are being shaken, it reveals the kingdom within you. Whether you are standing or you are depressed, discouraged, fearful, what is standing inside the kingdom? This is not for them, this is for us. They don't know what is happening. We know what is happening. So these are all given to the disciples. How are you reacting? Is it Dutch courage? False courage? I will come through this. No. He never said that. My God, Malindi. My God, my God, my God, my God. His trust was in God, not in himself. And he was trust was in the, he used it, the name of the Lord, but he was trust in the name of the Lord. Because the next one that comes will be worse. I am not saying this. It's all written. The kingdom is being revealed. In what did we put our trust? In whom did we put our trust? Health, economy, stock market, government, God, leaders. God is exposing all this through our fears and anxieties. So that we can get rid of it. And rest in him alone. COVID-19 will go. 
something else will come. This is not going to cease until Jesus comes. So we don't need a constant reminder. We don't need a constant reminder. The world needs. We don't need. Half the church may need. But if you are in that secret place, you and I don't need a constant reminder. What we need is a constant remedy. That is 91 verse 3. Psalm 91 verse 3 is the remedy. What does it say? Surely. 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 He shall deliver you. That's my remedy. It doesn't matter whether the the name change takes place. Today is pestilence, tomorrow it's war, day after tomorrow it's famine, it is earthquake, it's war, it is communal riots, nation against nation, ethnos against ethnos. It does not matter. You are arrested, taken before the, um, the synagogue or before the authorities, all has been. Families have fallen apart, fathers will betray children, children will betray, the love of God, many we shall grow evil. All these are different names. Reality is same. What is the nature of the kingdom within you that reacts to this? Constant remedy is this. You shall deliver me. You shall deliver me. Who is writing all this? David. He faced everything. Death in the hands of his own sons. And God delivered him from that too. Famine, pestilence, plague, war, betrayal in family, betrayal from friends. Everything he went through. Did God deliver him from everything? You want to read the signs of the last days in one man's life, read it in David's life. He went through it all. Therefore, he has the experience to write a psalm like this. Surely he will. Surely he will, he shall deliver you. Meaning, it's an ongoing process. Salvation is a Ongoing process. I was saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. It's an ongoing process. And these are all aids. Teachers aids to aid us through the process. What is pestilence? A teacher's aid. On the process. Don't put your trust in anything. Don't put your trust in horses, chariots or vaccines. There's no vaccine yet. The problem is in another week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, a vaccine will come, everyone will get inoculated and then for COVID-19 is history. Thrown in the dustbin, they will go back to their old life. That is the problem. That's the problem. Quarantine is forgot, all everything is forgot. That's why we need to go to him. Surely he shall deliver me. He lives for us. But will we go to him is the question. These are all realities. You look at Psalm, uh, sorry, Hebrews 7 and verse 25. Therefore he is able to save, how? To the uttermost. Those who come to God through him. So the question is, only those who come to him, got to go to God through him. Will we go to him? If we go to him with our little things, and our biggest thing that we are facing, he says, I will save you through to the atom, through it all. Since he always, he always lives to make intercession. He lives for us, but the problem is, will we go to him? With the big and the small issues. Will we? He'll go with the big issues. 
and think we can handle the small ones. Surely he will deliver me from what? From the fowler, snare of the fowler. That is, that is accidental. You don't even know where it is set. Or the pestilence. Day, night, everything is mentioned over there. He says, cast your burdens on to me. For he but will we cast? Come to me boldly, confidently through the throne room of grace. But will we go? He shall deliver. Surely he shall deliver. Focus on that. The trap of the devil or the deadly pestilence. How does he deliver? Because he covers us with his wings. Stay under. There is only one place. Stay under. But the problem is everybody wants to stay directly under God. I don't want anybody above me. It didn't happen with his own son until he was ready to be on his own. That's the problem. Let's read. He will cover you with his verse 4. He will shall cover you with his wings and under his wings I shall, you shall take refuge. That's nice. Jesus gave the chicken illustration also. But the question is that is an illustration. How do I get there? How do I get there? Illustration is fantastic. And I know it. I practically experienced me in childhood. And even now you go to the countryside, you see a chicken and the mother and the chicks. You will see that's exactly what it happened. But the question is that is an illustration. I am not a chicken. And God is not a bird. How do I get under his wings? Shield, fortress, everything we read, answer is given over there. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. His truth shall be your defense. Shall be your shield and oh, the, sh- the buckler is a small thing. It's a small shield, round small shield in the left hand. The shield is the big one. So whether it's a small problem or a big issue, both Needs to have. We seek truth in big issues. We don't seek truth in small things. We just. But God doesn't overlook. Both in the little things and in the big things, if we find His truth, then there is safety. So now we have moved from wings and feathers to truth. That's where we find our shelter. And we know very well, we heard this message over and over again. Isaiah 65. God is truth, the God of truth. John 14, 6. Jesus is truth. Then John 14. Yeah. Uh, Holy Spirit is truth. 17, 17. John 17, 17. Word is truth. And then finally, the church is the pillar of foundation. If the 
church is truth, then every stone is truth, right? You can't have a church which is truth with few stones which are lies. I am just a stone. I'm not the church. I'm just a stone. A living stone in the living church. Now we understand how why God begins everything with the word repent. Repent has been made to sound as if it's a terrible axe that cuts your head off or something like that. You know what repent basically simple terms means? Put away lies and bring on truth. That's what repent means. Put away lies. Shall we go back to that Psalm, uh, sorry, Psalm 91 verse 4? Yeah, yeah, don't go ahead of me. Yeah? Got it? He sh- under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. See how they are all connected, right? Do not confuse. God is truth. The devil is the father of liars. So the kingdom of God is the kingdom of truth and righteousness. While the kingdom of this world is the kingdom of lies. And lies are being shaken. You can find safety in the economy. You can find safety in the advancement of medical science. Science is the modern God. Only the God is late by three months now. You can find safety in the stock market. You can find safety because you are protected by all the special guards. Presidents of all are also falling ill. I like this virus. It's an equalizer. That's what repentance simply means. It's a constant life-changing activity. Replacing the lies in my life with truths. No, not with truths. Son. Four, ninety-one, four. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. And? No. Read once again. His truth. His truth. I, my truth is there, Pastor Vijay's truth. Our all, we all have truths of our own. But that doesn't save anybody. It's his truth. His truth. David had his own truth justified many times. That did not save him. Brought him only down further and further. It is his truth. His truth. Isn't this psalmist was said in Psalm 51, if I am right, you look for truth in the inward parts. Your truth. We all have created our own idea about truth. Our entire life ultimately has to be saturated by the truth. Like I said, truth has two parts. The hidden part and the revealed part. Both you have to watch. The Pharisees also had truth. The revealed one. They did not have the hidden one. The revealed one, this, the written. The hidden one is the spirit. 
they had the revealed one they did not have the hidden one therefore god called them white washed white washed outside very good nicely washed graves full of stinking rotten bones inside reality he exposed and that's why they were mad at him outward reality and inward reality god said worship him in the spirit and truth our shield and our buckler also has to have two parts the revealed truth and the hidden truth king saul also had a shield what was missing the spirit was missing remember gilbo david's cry your shield was not anointed the spirit was gone he had the shield and our major issue is with truth ramber has come to the end isaiah 59 and verse 14 59 and verse 14 bazaar mein satya gir gayi justice is turned back righteousness stands far off truth is fallen in the street equity cannot enter everything is stuck because one thing one thing truth is that's what has happened nations are willing to use everything except the name of god and god and come to his truth the one thing bring god into the picture when you bring god into the picture you see calamity differently you see the eyes of daniel eyes of nehemiah before he can rise and build he has to say i have sinned my forefathers have sinned that's why we are in this situation that's the truth god is not taking truth to cut our head he is using truths to restore we have sinned it's whole there's not one nation under the sky that has not sinned against the living god and these calamities are a result of it wages of sin is death and death comes in many forms and this is only one form and we don't want to address that and until as a church the church in the world rises up and addresses this fact god will restrain his hand because somewhere somebody genuinely repented one group repented and cried out for mercy and god stays his hand nowhere in the bible it is written when the plague was sweeping and 70000 soldiers died their families cried out to god it says david did david did because of me he identified with the sin david did God stayed inside. So nobody can take when this stops. Nobody can take any credit also because nobody knows whose cry God heard. So churches will put out their banner. We were fasting for seven days, and on the eighth day the virus stopped. God says there were other people even before the virus started. They already saw it, and they have been fasting for the past two years. you will say shut your mouth this credit doesn't belong to anybody i stayed my or maybe none of your prayers i heard i just stayed my hand because i am a merciful god yeah. at the end of the day when we all stand before god nobody will boast that's why i keep saying 
It's not bad news. The truth. These calamities will not stop. You know when these calamities all will stop? When truth steps down again into our world, on Mount Olives it slips into two, then calamities will stop because truth has come. Nobody can deny anything over watching truth with your own eyes. Face to face with truth. Then all this will stop. One day it will stop. That also has been told. It will stop. But we are a people who are not moved by this like others. Like yesterday we saw, right? Emma was saying, prepare to meet your, meet your maker. We should be a prepared people. So we are able to actually see all this with different eyes. Like I looked at it and said, people panicking? Yes. Christians panicking? I don't understand. Then I realized, oh I understand. They don't have a lifestyle of fasting. They don't have a lifestyle of fasting. So their first concern is pestilence. Let me stock food. Quarantine how much? 14 days? 21 days? These are normal fastings. Mentioned in the Bible, right? If Daniel, for, to understand a revelation of something he didn't understand in scripture, could fast for 21 days. Can't we fast for 21 days for a pandemic? And you're worried? Jesus, the pure, 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 absolute, sinless, holy, pure son of God, could fast for 40 days. When he had the power to make stone into bread. He didn't. It's a 40 day fast. Scary. Let's, like I said, when these things, they have a saying in English, it's when these things that happen, the rubber meets the road. So these things are not a test for the world. It's a test for us. You really realize, Lord, who am I? I realize, Lord, who am I? Who am I, Lord? Who am I? Things, my life was never attached to these things, Lord. I was telling my wife, what 14 days quarantine? I've been quarantined for 8 years. Been sitting here and sitting here for the past 8 years. And when I went abroad, I saw nothing. I was on mission. Nothing I saw. So everywhere, my life for the past 8-10 years has been only quarantine. So quarantine is not a scary word for me. Because we have to believe, you know. You don't belong to this world. Does it bother to us? No IPL. How does it bother to us? No MBA. How does it bother to me? No movie theaters. How does it bother to me? If I ever watch anything, it will be something which is in black and white. Because I know the language is kosher. And the theme is good versus evil. And that nobody watches. And whatever you do, the speed is not more than 360. Why? Because these are the old black and white movies. They are trying to, how much can you speed it? You can't speed it or increase its clarity more than that. But I am okay with it. That's right. If I want to relax, I'll watch one of those old ones. 
Do these things upset us? The effects, the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic. Stock market, does it upset it? I understand this probably better than all of you sitting over here. I know the stock market very well. I was somebody who played in the stock market. I made my money too, many years back. I bought Reliance, Reliance at 10 and sold it at 21. And one I saw going down immediately and then sold it. I made my money. I made 10 lakhs out of the stock market. One day God said, give it all away. And I gave it all away without giving one buy. The stock market falling doesn't bother me. Because even we put stock market, we know it belongs to him. It doesn't belong to you. You're just a steward. So this, these things don't scare you. The child who took all that is he probably hearing online. <laughs> she started a ministry and said, first 10 years ago, she said, Daddy, I have a friend who doesn't have insurance. Can you send $50? I said, Lily, my child, do you know how much $50 is in rupees? She had no clue. I said, okay, honey, I'll send it. That $50 never ended as $50. It wiped me out. But I love her. I always tell her, I love you, my child. She always will. Every day she will tell me, I love you, daddy. Okay. I told her last night also, you give me more comfort than all my five children. So these things don't matter. We invest in people. We don't invest. And our investment goes down in the stock market. We are not bothered. We are bothered when the people in whom we invested goes down. That upsets me. That is what upsets me. The way people leave the church. I don't, it doesn't upset me when people leave church. It doesn't bother me. People need to leave and go and fulfill God's purpose. But the way they leave upsets me because I know from scripture for them to be restored will take an enormous humbling. There's no way they can be restored unless they come back. Simply they cannot be restored because of the way they left. That's why whenever I left churches, I was very careful how I left. Very careful how I left. Because I know I am not under this umbrella. I am under another shadow that is under above this umbrella. You need to be very, very careful how you leave. These are real issues. These are real issues. So we are not worried about the falling of the stock market. We are not. That shouldn't bother us. We are not worried about the panic of the people. We are worried about the death of people dying without knowing God. That's what David, I allowed that word yesterday I gave you, you know. When my enemies fell sick, my gosh, what a man. I mourned, I grieved like it was my brother or my brother, mother. Old covenant guy. Where do you find a guy like that? How can you find a guy like that? I don't know who that person is talking about. Sometimes I think it is unwritten parts of his history. He heard King Saul is ill. And he couldn't eat. He was fasting. He told, why are you not eating? No, I'm not eating. I'm praying today. Why are you praying for? As for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting. And my prayer would return back. What? They are not changing. I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bow down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. I don't know who he is talking about. Maybe he is talking about King Saul. 
What a man. Old Testament men. That's how we look at life. That's how we look at life. That's how we read Psalm. We only looked at four verses of Psalm 91. And next day we look further. Unless Pastor Vijay is preaching. We look further. And we have to look, because this, this, this situation has given me the autonomy to preach without looking at the clock. Because I have an audience here who is going nowhere. And I have an audience elsewhere. If they go somewhere, I wouldn't know either. So I look at the sovereignty of God and say, okay, you know what? Let us look at real issues that matter in life. Real issues that matter in life. Have I found have I found that safe place? Have I found that safe place? Am I under the shadow of the Almighty? Am I in that secret place? How do I know? I know whether I am in the secret place when I search my heart and I look at all these things happening and I look into my heart and see how am I reacting? Is there fear? Is there panic? Is there grief? Our people who are dying. Is there excitement because his coming is near? Is there little hesitancy? Lord, I know I haven't finished my race. Are you aware of all these things? Are you aware of all these things? Are you looking at it with different eyes altogether? How are you looking at things? How are we looking at things? Because it's a pestilence for us. For them. Not for us. For us it is shaking. God is shaking. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And in that shaking, if they remember, if this earthquake comes, we will all shake. Right? When God is shaking the whole thing, we are also shaking. But in that shaking, we will look and say, but I am not shaken. I am not shaken. Things around me are being shaken, but I am not shaken. I am not shaken. You have to overcome this fear, children. I'm truly, truly telling you. This fear of holding can be broken only by the faith of giving. There's no other way. There's no other way. There's no other way. Unless you practice that consistently in your life. Give, 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 give. There's no fear. Fear is broken. Fear is good. And this about food. Only by fasting. Because eating and drinking is a bondage for man. What to eat? 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 What? How much to eat? How much? Where to eat? Where all all those where all has been cut down, shut down. Even by even the uh, this thing is very very clear. No? Instructions when big fellow comes, he is told to clean the outside of the package. Then you are called to outside of the package. But now people will be even more careful. What if the virus is inside? Take it and microwave it. Even it's piping hot, still microwave it. Kill the virus. Then what? Is there any place in this virus is hiding? You see, nobody wants to eat now. The joy of eating is gone. God had told it earlier. When you fast, not if you fast, when you fast, when you pray, when you have the habit of secret place of praying. So when pestilence came, you already heard, don't worry, I'm in control. 
Lord, what should I pray for? He said, pray for this nation, pray for this nation, pray for this church there. They are the ones going through this. Pray they have even more courage. How do we pray for the church in China, our church in China? Lord, thank you, Lord. They are courageous. They are not afraid. They are not afraid, Lord. They are courageous. Some have died. Some are alive. But they are courageous. They have gone into the middle of the plague like Aaron and stood there. Afraid, not afraid. Oh Lord, thank you. Thank you Lord, even if we have never seen them, we are a part of them. Part of them. Awesome, right? Awesome. One of our pastors actually died of coronavirus abroad. Are we grieving now? He finished his purpose. It affected his throat and he died. He was old. It's okay. It's well with my soul. So we have casualties in the family. It doesn't matter. We are worried about the unsaved of God. Lord, let them not die. Let them not die. Let them not die. They need to know you. The ones who know you die, they're going home. I'll see you. That's the assurance of, see all these psalms, all these words as we look to, it's all spoken by one man. Old covenant man. I know he will not come back to me, but I know I will go to, boy, what confidence. What confidence. And um, David, what's your current history? Just, just recent past history of um, adultery, lying, murder. And you're so confident. Yeah, well, God said I've removed your sins from you. I'm not going to go against his word. If he said it's fine. I'm not looking at my history. I'm looking at what he said. If he said it's not there, it's not there. The world can say whatever they want. If he said it's not there, it is not there. Then I know where I'm going. Who will you believe? Who will you believe? Whose report will you believe? You know when he says this? He says this within a few weeks after he was confronted. Few weeks, maybe days. And he has the assurance I'm not under condemnation. He's not coming back. I'm going to him. I'm telling you that one man, David, (laughs) you can learn through his life. The more I study Stuff he has written, I understand why God said, this is a man after my own heart. He he understood me. And I will reveal myself to mankind through him. That's He's one of those shining witnesses in that cloud. So we saw, began with that, the assurance scriptures give and this cloud of witnesses. And we brought it together and we looked at Psalm 91, four verses today. So dwell in that secret place. If quarantine comes, government may come. I, I, I can't see how the government can can avoid it. How can they avoid it? Because it seems current right now, unless the vaccination comes, what even to produce vaccine for one billion people <laughs> take time, distribution, money, all that. No, so it may come. It should come. We have no issues with anything that the government is doing. I have no issues with. Some pastors were getting upset about Hebrews 9 says, do not stop the gathering of together. No, no, don't put people on a guilt trip. No, no, you don't do it. The government is not against our worship. The government may be against the worship in China or North Korea or Iran. It's not against the worship in India. They have said to everybody. They didn't only tell to us. They saw the mosque. They told the churches. They told the temples, shut down. Small gathering, social contact avoid. That's why we didn't gather. So, so don't misinterpret scripture and say the government is against my worship. I have to worship. 
No, you're not helping your congregation. You're putting them in danger. In danger. No, you don't do that. Instead, few, two, three, four of us gather. And we have the system where we will maintain our social distance. Yet, we are not far from God. We may be far from each other. But yet, through this system, we are close to each other. I don't think I have ever got so many notifications on GTC. 100 already. Never. In three hours. So everybody is close. And emails are coming from around the world. So they are watching too. So we are not far. They only told us to maintain physical distance. Physical distance. No? And that is there also in scripture. And only we can be far away and yet close. What did Paul says? Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in the... That's what's happening now. We are all together in the spirit and thank God for this technology. We can also see each other. Paul couldn't see. He said, I'm with you in the spirit. You know what? We have we have grief over people who are dying without knowing the Lord, not other deaths. Other deaths. Why should I die when somebody is going home? No, if Raj tells me, Pastor, I'm going to Kakinara, no. Uh, Narsapur for Good Friday. I say, oh, please don't go home. Right? Will I say, no, I said, good. No, every time he goes, I say, eat a lot of shrimp and a lot of fish and come back. <laughs> I know he's going to have a good time, right? So if a believer dies, why should I grieve? Whether it is coronavirus or good, he went home. I'll see you there. Okay, but un- unbelievers die, we grieve. We grieve. We grieve, Lord. We grieve. Because, Lord, I was one of that one day. I was un- I was an unbeliever one day. By your grace, I am saved. I wish. I wish, Lord. So our prayers are targeted towards those who are unbelievers and who are dying. Lord, let it not happen. Let they somehow hear. Maybe a nurse in the ICU. Maybe a doctor in the ICU. Maybe in the ICU as they're going into a coma, you give them a dream. All the what proverbs I sent you. People seeing dreams of Jesus appearing and telling him to me, Lord, I will not curtail your hands, Lord. I just release them into your hands. Somehow, Lord, in a dream, in a vision, in the coma, through a nurse, through a doctor, maybe the ambulance guy who's taking. I don't know how. Please intervene. That's all I ask. Nobody should die without hearing at least once. Choice is theirs to receive or not. Because in this situation, if they don't receive, then I don't understand what situation they will receive. But we pray that way. Amen? <clears throat> so we are not moved. When everything is being shaken, He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our refuge. Can He be shaken? No. That's why He is called the rock. In Hindi you say Chatan. Wo hamare chatan hai. In Nepali you say para. In Malayalam you say para. Okay, so if you see a Malayalam ministry which is called para ministries, understand what it means. It means rock ministries. He's our rock, unshakable, immovable. When everything is being shaken, see that your feet is in, on him. Seated in him. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning, afternoon, this Sunday, Lord.
first time we have a service like this, Lord. But Father, your word is true. You are here with us. You are with everyone who is watching, listening. We just want to say, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you that we found mercy in your eyes. We could have been one who died in the pandemic without knowing you. But we are inside. Now there is no fear of death. There is no fear of condemnation. We know we are yours. You are our refuge. You are our fortress. You are our buckler. You are our shield. And we as your people, the righteous will run into your name. And we are safe in that name. Secure in that name. I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I come against this stealer of God's children's destiny, this virus by name. I call it out and I will tell you, pass over every house over which the blood is. By faith I apply the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus over every home, every household in GTC. And this angel of death has to pass over. Pass over. Pass over. You will not steal the destiny of children. They still have to finish their race. Fulfill their purpose. I speak to you. You may be a virus. But there is a spirit behind you. And I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. You will not touch God's people until they have reached their time. You will not touch them. Death has been overcome by my Jesus. It holds no fear for us. It has been defanged. The sting has been taken out. The scorpion of death, even if it moves, it has no sting. It will not cause any fear. The serpent of death, even if he comes, he has no fangs. They are not afraid. For us to live or die is gain. And the life that we live now, we live it by faith in the Son of God. Our life is hidden in Him. I pray, Father, through this word. People will be encouraged to seek, to find, and to dwell in that secret place. And if there is quarantine, people will make use of this opportunity given by God through various governments to dwell in that place. <clears throat> that there would be a restoration in lives horizontally and vertically in lives. <clears throat> that this opportunity will not be wasted by God's people. But one day, people will look back and say, yes, the enemy meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. And I look back, those three days, those seven days, those 14 days, those 21 days changed my life. And I will never be the same again. Because I found him and he found me. Thank you, thank you, Father. Stretch forth your hand, Father. Bless every one of your children. 
the hand of God, the hand of power, the hand of might, the hand of deliverance, the hand of healing rest upon everyone. And I speak healing into every body now. Be healed in Jesus name. Be strengthened in Jesus name. Be empowered in Jesus name. And look death in the eye and say, I am not afraid. For my Savior has overcome both fear and death. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We by faith now bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we too proclaim, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. For in Jesus' name we pray. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Those sitting in homes have good family fellowship.